everyone's remote apart from it. I think they've got the odd people that like critical people who have to look after the nodes and that kind of stuff. <laughs> you got to feed the nodes. <laughs> Top and <into> a bag. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great cheat. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings, the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. He's been stealing mushrooms for... <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms? <laughs> He's been stealing mushrooms from Father Maggot's crop. It's Emery. <laughs> Hi, John. That's all being left in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, John. Hello, sir. Um, we're back. We had a, back. a bit of an impromptu time off. We didn't expect this, but, uh, you know, these things happen. But we are back. We're back in episode 10. We're in double figures. Can you believe it? I actually can't <laughs> believe it. And I can't actually believe that you thought that Farmer Maggot grows mushrooms in his crop fields. Because it was clearly like some carrots or something. They fell down the edge of the field and then they saw the mushrooms on the side of the road. A shortcut to mushrooms. but shortcut to mushrooms. I think that's only in the film, isn't it? In, yes, I'm thinking of the film. I can't remember that from the book. In the book, I think... Well, I don't know if they are stealing mushrooms from Farmer Maggot, but they go through Farmer Maggot's field, and I think Frodo is certainly remembering how he used to go there and steal vegetables. And I think they find mushrooms. I think they find mushrooms there, and as a nod to that part of the book, they do the falling off the small cliff and find mushrooms. I, I see. So what we're saying, I, lo- I love that we've been away for a little while, gone immediately into a tangent, which is great. Um, but so basically, so Tolkien has quite sort of overt references to mushrooms and the halfling leaf, and that's all within the first part of the book. It probably explains a fair bit. I mean, you know, it's an imaginative text. <laughs> Yeah, and and one of the first characters they meet is Tom Bombadil, and yeah. Say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look it up about whether or not they find the mushrooms in Farmer Maggot's crop, but that's definitely where you've been stealing them from. Yes, that's true. I I hold my hands up. (laughs) Sorry, Farmer Maggot. (laughs) I won't do it again. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, like you say, amazingly straight onto a tangent but a tangent on lord of the rings which is a bit weird so let's just bring that back onto track and see what have you been up to for the last goodness knows how long almost a month god what have i been up to so yes it's a usual segment of a show coronavirus lockdown things have eased up things have eased up a bit here and i don't think they have officially eased up but i think people have don't really know what the rules are anymore. Started to more and more just go about their daily business. <laughs> Anarchy in the UK is what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, it's like a softer version of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's really same old, same old. I've been filling my time with usual stuff. So I guess sort of the socialising aspect hasn't really returned in full force yet. But there's a couple of things here and there. 
I've been. Um, oh, blimey. There goes Sauron again. <laughs> Sauron's Yamaha? Yeah. Would he be a Harley man? <laughs> yeah, but it's in the shop. <laughs> um, as you can tell, you know, the road traffic's returning to normal. <laughs> um, but I've been, um, I've been writing a fair bit of music recently, which involves some lower than average keyboard playing and some even worse guitar playing. <laughs> so I've done the classic lockdown thing of trying to either learn or get better at some instruments. And before you ask, none of it is in any way suitable for public consumption. <laughs> you really did read my mind. It was like, well, yeah. I know how we're going to end the show. <laughs> yeah. It's a little banjo, little banjo so, I'd say. Like, <laughs> Just a little banjo, like like Kermit's banjo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, normal size for him. <laughs> and how about you, sir? Um... Well, yeah, I mean, same old story, really. Yeah, sort of uh, a bit of time in the garden, you'll be pleased to hear, killing plants. Um, Intentionally? No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Your green fingers have deserted you. They never really arrived. But uh, but I've been trying. I mean, I've, uh, I've got a crop going on. Back to Farmer Maggot. Yeah, got some runner beans. This is not the way this podcast is meant to go. Let's set it away from growing runner beans. Um... <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> um, I've been watching some TV and some films. Let me think of anything worth... Uh, go- oh, I'll tell you what. I have been pleasantly surprised by two things on my television. Things that I wasn't expecting much from. And actually, I've... Uh, find thoroughly enjoyable so and they're, they're quite different on the spectrum to be honest so uh go on at one end i finally got round to watching the watchman series oh right yeah now i know see this was a difficult one for me because i love the comic book i mean it's really well it's really our era isn't it i mean that really that came out in the uh, yeah. sort of the, the mid 80s and I, I think you and i both read it when we were young teenagers um and it obviously struck a massive chord. And I'd, I'd like to point out, I was not a young teenager in the eighties. <laughs> oh no, you weren't, were you? Oh, you weren't. Just, you weren't either, John. Just. No, but hang on. But you turned thirteen in nineteen eighty nine. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you might be right. Yeah, I think I, I read it. I, yeah, I remember my my dad bought it. And you and you stole it, which is the. Uh... I, I, I borrowed it. It's the same thing I said to Father Maggot. Um, yeah, I remember reading it when I was probably I was probably about I don't know eleven or twelve or something. I didn't understand half of it, but I still loved the atmosphere of it. We didn't have loads of comics and stuff, but that was one that yeah I think as you reread it when you sort of as years went by, it just became better and better. Just an amazing piece of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's an incredible thing. Um, and so they made this series, as you know, um, and it was I was I was at first appalled. It's like, no, you can't do a a, a sequel to The Watchmen as a TV <laughs> yeah. series. I was the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you what are you thinking? Um, and it was incredibly well received. I'm not really one for reviews in general, 
But it was hard to avoid the fact that this had been very well received by professional reviewers and sort of fans alike. So I thought, okay, I've got a bit of time on my hands. I liked the fact that they announced that this was just going to be a one-off. So it was going to be a 10-part or something along those lines, limited series. It was going to be done. So I, I appreciate that. So I figured, okay, I'm just going to watch this and I can then just make it my opinion. I mean, I'm allowed to hate it, aren't I? <laughs> that is your right. <laughs> Uh, but it was actually, I'm not going to say brilliant, but it was very, very good. It did the same sort of thing as the comic did, where it tackles incredibly heavy subject matters and very important subject matters. And in fact, the TV series has been made for our time. I don't. I know you haven't seen it, so I'm careful not to spoil anything. But it's been made for our time. So in the same way as the comic was made in the 80s and it, it dealt with our fears of nuclear war and things like that. This sort of continuation focuses on on the situations that we're in. in, in actually, well, it's 2019, so it's just a little bit in our past. But um, <laughs> Historical drama. It's a historical drama, yeah. They, they'd never <laughs> even heard of coronavirus. Um, <laughs> but it's very, very powerful when it tackles the serious subject matters. But then... In the same sort of way as the comic did, it interjects this with huge levels of sort of absurd silliness, which um, oh great, like like proper absurdism, like and almost surrealism, where you go, well, this is incredible. On one hand, it's really got a very valuable lesson, and on the other hand, it's raining squids. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, you know, I've heard that as well. So it's exactly the same as you. I was kind of thinking, yeah, have, you know, don't touch that. It was just a perfect one-off piece of work. Let it be. I, I didn't even want it to be, become a film. I think uh, I think there's always this weird thing about, I think fans of something like, you know, a graphic novel or a comic book or whatever. I think I'm not, I'm not sure if this is still the case and I'm not really in that kind of comic world, if you like, but I always got the impression that People, a lot of people felt that if you made a film of it, it somehow validates the original work. And it's like somehow, I don't know, there's some seal of approval of some kind of making it official or something strange like that, some strange abstract thought. But actually, for me, that always diminished something like a comic book or a graphic novel or whatever as an art form in, it, in itself. Well, actually, I think you touched on a very interesting point that is actually the term graphic novel. Uh, I mean, I try my best to never use that term. Um, because that was actually invented pretty much for The Watchmen when it was released in the mid-80s. Uh, to make it highbrow. To make it highbrow by the publishers. <laughs> Get it on the bestsellers list. <laughs> well, the, the publishers knew that this was a comic for adults and right. needed to appeal to a different audience than your normal comic book buying audience. So they couldn't just release it as a comic. So they stamped the word graphic novel on it. And a lot of people sort of embrace this as some sort of validation, as you say, for yeah. the, the, the sort of art form that they love, which is comic books. And they're comic books, people. It's an art form and it, they're brilliant. And they went, look, it's valid now. We're allowed to like this. But I say you're allowed to like it anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, because you look, you look at films. You get those highbrow films, art films, you get TV movies, you get everything in between. And it's not to say that just because something's a film, it's therefore 
high art or, or highbrow or, or whatever. And why would the same not apply to a comic book? Exactly. Yeah, anyway, but sorry, to come back to the original point. So yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. And, and the film was never going to be as good as the, as the comic. And, and it wasn't, in my view. It did an all right job, but it didn't have all that subtext and all the gravitas and that. And also the world you create, uh, just the, the form of a comic yeah. is amazing. So much you can do. It's a completely different thing to a, a movie or what have you. But then, yeah, I was really against the series. I thought, no, you can't touch that. This is like sacrilege. Da, 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 da. But actually, yeah, all the people I've spoken to who I sort of respect their opinions and, and you as well. Uh, <laughs> I have said that. No, I mean, I include you in that sphere, obviously. Uh, uh, yeah, everyone I've spoken to who's seen it said, it's, yeah, it's just great. It's original. It doesn't try to sort of outdo the original source stuff. It just, it's just its own thing. So, yeah, I'll definitely get around to watching it at some point. Yeah, I would give it a go, for sure. I recommend it. And I didn't think... I, I mean, I was prepared to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointingly, you loved it. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's very very solid. Yeah, go and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the what was the other one? What was the one on the other side of the spectrum? Well, you're like this, <laughs> and I actually, when I was putting it on the TV, I said out loud, "Prepare for this to be rubbish." <laughs> you literally said that. Yes. <laughs> and that was the third. Installment in the Bill and Ted Adventure. Get out! Is that been released? Yes. It's what did you hear? What's it called? Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so convinced. It was. I mean, I love Bill and Ted. I mean, but yeah, yeah. Let's face it. It's of its time. And I was so convinced that this was just going to be some weird cash cow some ideas that some exec has had and Keanu Reeves has lost his mind and he needs to pay off somebody and we're just going to make this film and we're just going to shoot it out and it's going to be rubbish. It's sensational. Really? <laughs> sensational? Okay, I'm going to back... When it finished, did you stand up and say, this is sensational? I just stood up and clapped. Bravo. Bravo, bravo. No, okay, I'm going to back it off a bit. It's not sensational. But when you expect something to be the worst of the worst and you find yourself either laughing through it or at the very least smiling. And (laughs) it was such a little gem. I really enjoyed it. And I've talked about this in the past. I can't stress how important this is. It's 90 minutes long. It's 90 minutes. You put it on, you have a cup of tea, it's over. (laughs) That's a long cup of tea. (laughs) You nursed that one. (laughs) That's the problem if you you watch like Lord of the Rings or something. That cup of tea is ice cold by the end. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about this before. A film should be as long as it needs to be. And it's as simple as Oh, and Bill and Ted Face the Music needs to be 90 minutes. Yeah. I have a theory that actually comedy films generally have a shelf life anyway in terms of, not shelf life, wrong expression, you know, there's, there's a certain limit where I think, I don't know, there's something about the way the human brain works. It's hard to stay in the zone of laughter like that. You know, for any, 90 minutes is probably about the limit, I'd say. I mean, some comedy films should be even shorter, in my opinion. But, um, okay, cool. So I'll definitely get around to 
to watching that one as well. Oh yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you don't need much time. Just, uh, just whack it on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Watchmen, you need a good ten hours. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with Bill and Ted. Yes, I mean, I've, I've done other things. I mean, I've. Um, I've been playing a lot of Lord of the Rings. That's that's good. I've um, I've actually been playing my first proper run through of the saga set. So I started playing the Hobbit saga, but I'm not going to talk too much about that because, of course, eventually we will get to it. But uh, yeah, I think I, I've spoken to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've spoken to you in many a raging text message about this. So I'll uh, <laughs> oh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll save that as a teaser for uh, future episodes. Yeah, and also. I've been playing the quest we're going to talk about on this episode. So this is a spoiler episode of Late of the Rings. I mean, you might, you might not, might have wondered that if there was even going to be an episode of Late of the Rings after this, uh, <laughs> yeah. after this introduction. Um, uh, I like to say, <laughs> a film should be as long as it's good, ninety minutes. It was nice and short to the point. <laughs> we spent half an hour rambling about God knows what, <laughs> farmer maggot, mushrooms, Bill and Ted. Um, yep so this episode is going to be a spoiler episode where we're going to discuss a quest and we are going to be discussing um uh journey to roscoe bell journey to roscoe bell see that's how prepared i am no you've done it again (laughs) it's a journey to roscoe bell not the it's you should work for dc films Where it's now Joker and the Batman, rather than Batman and the Joker. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. I know, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yes, a journey to Roscoe Bell, yeah. So if you are trying to avoid spoilers for this particular quest, I suggest you just uh, skip this episode and come back to it later. I hope you've enjoyed these, uh, these ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> but if not, we are going to talk about this from now. And I, I, just a little bit of a um, disclaimer here. I replayed this quest about four weeks ago in preparation for this podcast before we knew we were going to get waylaid. So I did take some notes. I did look at them. A lot of them don't make any sense. But I think we're going to be okay. So let's uh, let's go on this journey together. A journey to Roscobel. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay. So, do you happen to have the quest cards there? I have the quest cards. I also have the insert sheet. Okay. Now, we did this before, didn't we? Shall we start with the insert sheet? Because I think we originally thought we'd ignore it, but actually it's turned out to be, well, useful, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. A journey to Roscommon. <laughs> difficulty level six. I remember you said right at the beginning of this that these difficulty levels are quite arbitrary. And I think I definitely think that it's not a six, but we'll come to that. <laughs> okay. So here's what it says in the insert. While traveling in the Andrian Valley, the heroes come across a fallen eagle, dreadfully wounded from a recent battle with goblins. And on the verge of death. Cheery. It's a dark start. <laughs> uh, given their location, the heroes attempt to transport the eagle to Rosgabel on the edge of Mirkwood in the hope that the wizard Radagast can save the eagle's life. Okay, so that's for a little intro. And then it just describes which cards you use. And then it talks about an ally objective and removed from the game instructions. Shall we go through these at this point or come to them later 
It's hard for me to remember. <laughs> okay. But maybe maybe it's best to just jump to the quest cards. Well, okay. And then, yes, okay, fine. Yeah, that's going to work. I think it's a bit fresher in my mind than yours. So. Okay, so I suspect there's going to be a tiny bit of repetition here. Yeah. So the first quest card, the Wounded Eagle. Sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after a fierce conflict with a group of trolls... You come across a Hang on, eagle. hang on. Oh, we've had... Yeah, I was going to say, because immediately I was like, yeah. wait a minute, he was in a combat with goblins. I just heard this story, but we were in the combat with exactly. a group of Exactly, because we've just come from the Carrack. You say just. Well, you, you, yes. <laughs> I'm joining the dots here. <laughs> so after a fierce conflict with a group of trolls, you come across a fallen eagle grievously wounded and on the verge of death so the setup is thank you Sauron so the setup is search the encounter deck for Roscobel and Williador and add them to the staging area with two damage tokens on Williador then shuffle the encounter deck okay so there is a bit in the insert sheet about Williador should I read that at this point let's find out about Williador okay so, ally objective card, Williador. In this scenario, the players encounter an ally objective card, Williador the Eagle. The card has a constant effect that reads, the first player gains control of Williador as an ally. This means that the first player takes control of Williador and can use him in the same manner he would use any ally he controls. At the end of each round, when the first player token passes to a new player, the new first player also gains control of Williador. So that's important, when, obviously, when you're playing multiplayer. Yeah. Um, Williador also has the text, no attachments. This means that players cannot play or move attachment cards onto Williador. If Williador leaves play for any reason, the players have lost the game. Additionally, if the player who controls Williador is eliminated, the players have lost the game. So keep Williador alive. Yeah. No, but that's interesting about that it really spells out what it means about the first player controls Willie Dor, as in he slides around the table if you are playing multiplayer. Because I can't remember if that was spelled out like that in my insert for this, because I know this was, this is often sort of brought up as like in early facts that when it says the first player takes control, because it, there are a few cards which state that the first player takes control of said card. The question was always, well, does the first player take control of it at that point and then that player continues to keep control or does it move with the first player? And I mean, it was answered several times by Fantasy Flight that it will move to each first player. So the first player is the person who's always got control. And it's interesting that it's just spelt out now here in the uh, in the insert. So the easy way to remember it is it moves with the first player token. Yeah. So the point you move that token is the same point you pass across that ally. Yeah, and I think it's just if any card says that the first player has control of X, Y, or Z, then it will move to that person. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then on the card itself, Williador, he's, it's, um, well, he looks in a bad state. It's a picture of an eagle with a, an arrow pointing at, um, coming out of him. Pointing at him. Uh, Pointing at him very closely. Eagle! <laughs> and poor Williador, he has um, quest for one, attacks for one, has one shield, has 20 hit points. Oh, that's all right. And it's a creature, eagle, 
Then it repeats a little bit of what it just said on the insert sheet. So no attachment. The first player gains control of Willyador. And at the end of each round, Willyador suffers two damage. What it also says on the card, though, which it doesn't say on the insert sheet, is Willyador cannot be healed of more than five wounds by a single effect. If Willyador leaves play, the players have lost the game. So that's really important to bear in mind. Yeah. One card effect or any effect can only take five damage off. Yeah, will you do? And obviously, the idea of his quest, as you can easily gather from that introduction, is you've got to keep Wulliador alive. Keep the bird alive. Keep the bird alive. <laughs> yeah, so 20 hit points is a lot, but as you say, he starts with two damage on him, and then it gets an additional two at the end of each round. So, unless we find some ways to heal this guy, it's not going to take long for him to become a, well, an ex eagle. Exactly. And plus, he's an ally, so he's going to potentially suffer damage in other ways as well throughout the quest. So, yeah, that's going to rack up pretty sharpish. Um, and then the location that you have to put into the staging area at the beginning as well is Roscobel. That has X threat, and it requires four progress to get through it. It's a forest location. X is the number of players in the game. They're nice and simple, two players, two, etc. Um, while Roscobel is in the staging area, Williador cannot be healed. Oh my god. Yeah, so I came a cropper of this. I did what I did my classic so you know one of the phrases I've probably used the most, and I will be using this in this episode as well, over the previous episodes is inadvertent cheating. I knew it. I knew it was coming. And oh yeah. I well you could I don't need to explain this one too much, but yeah. Came a cropper of this. I thought doing brilliant. Oh, we'll, we'll come on to it. And then um, travel. Players must complete stage one of this quest before they can travel to Roscobel. Okay, so immediately we know we've got to burn through stage one because we've got to start healing this eagle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, it, 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 that's what jumps out at me anyway, though. Yeah, and when you flip over the quest card to get through the first card, you require eight progress tokens. To be partners, and and there's no special um, effects on this card. Okay, well that's not so bad. Um, but what it does say, it's just got a little bit of text in there. It says the eagle's wounds cannot be tended in the wilderness. So you attempt to bring the creature to Roscobel, where the wisdom of Radagast the Brown may be its only hope. Okay, well actually, this is an interesting point then, because a few episodes ago we actually mentioned about the ally card Radagast, and you may recall we put him on ice. <laughs> Um, yes, no, no. Obviously, you can choose whether to play Radagast or not in your deck. I mean, he's he's not like an objective card or anything like that. He's just a player card. But I think we should revisit the card now because we sort of brushed over him, saying, "Well, we'll come back to him later." So let's just have a quick look at Radagast as an ally. So he is a neutral ally. He costs five, so it's it's, it's your standard wizard cost. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he has two willpower, he hits for one, he defends for one, and he has three hit points. So he's not that tough for his cost, if you ask me. He's an Istari, and he has this text. It says, Radagast collects one resource each resource phase. These resources can be used to pay for creature cards played from your hand. And then he has an action. Action. Spend X resources from Radagast's pool to heal X wounds on any one creature. Aha! (laughs) Um, So, 
two things on this card then. So one, just to, to tie back into last week's episode when we were talking about all the eagle allies that you get in the tactics sphere in this first cycle. Obviously, if you are playing Radagast, he is a good way to generate resource to be able to play out a lot of those eagles. But specifically for this quest, it's his action I think we should be more concerned with, where we can spend the resource he collects to heal wounds on creatures. So, like I say, you don't necessarily have to play him. He's expensive, and he's not that great as an ally, if you ask me. But he can heal creatures. Yeah, I tended to use him when I did manage to get Radagast into play. I tended to just use him to quest. Quest for two, fairly useful. And then, obviously, yeah, like I said, just use his action to heal Williador at any any opportunity. Well, any opportunity apart from when Roscobel is in the staging area, which is the entirety of quest card one. It's true. But the good thing about Radagast, compared to any other effect which could heal him, is he's still going to get one resource every round. Yes. So even if it takes you four or five rounds, whatever, to get, and you've got Radagast out, and he ends up with five resource on him. Once you do get to Oscar Bell, you can spend all five and heal five damage, for example. On, That's a very on good point. Him. That is a very good point. So if you can get him out early, whilst you're still on quest card one, you can just stockpile, basically. Yeah. But then getting him out early with a cost of five, when you're trying to do other things too, it's quite tricky, actually. I found it challenging to get Radagast into play and make him kind of, you know, you know, he was useful, but he wasn't sort of a game changer, I'd say. No, no. And I would have to admit that outside of this specific quest, I don't think I ever play him. Even though I love Eagle decks, the cost to get him out... Yeah, maybe I should revisit it because, you, like you say, he is gaining a resource every round. And if you have got a deck loaded full of Eagles, yeah, maybe I should revisit him. Maybe he is worth a look again. But that, that, that's just a side project for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking it through. Is now a good time to talk about eagle decks, or shall we come on to that later? Well, well, well. Do you think we need to talk about how we got through this first card? I mean, because basically, there's no real special requirements to get past this first card. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah, let's go through. Let's go through the quest. Yeah, yeah, let's go through the quest, and then we can talk about how we coped with it. Okay, that makes sense. So you basically just have to. Well, we we both agree that we have to. You have to quest through this card as quickly as possible because every round, Williador is getting two more damage. So you want to get to Roscovel so you can start healing him ASAP. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's our experience of it. I think there might be other players out there who've got a different tactic. I don't know, maybe there's a way to sort of build certain things up in the meantime. Uh, actually, I guess that's kind of counterintuitive, but maybe, maybe well, there is. Actually, I didn't do this, but I thought about it in preparation for this podcast when I was trying to make head or tail of my notes. Um one tactic which actually is, is very sound, I think, is that if you could track away the uh, Roscobel in the staging area, because it's not immune to player card effects, so if you could just northern track that location away, you could get it out of the staging area and just start healing Williador in stage one. Very good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no, I, was just, I, I just looked at the card again just to check, but yeah, and, and, and you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm right, but I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you did have a good idea. <laughs> Count it as a victory. <laughs> okay, shall we move on to the second? Yeah, uh... let's let's see what happens when you get to the second card. Okay, so the second quest card is called Radagast's Request. The text on the first side on two A is: the eagle's health has grown worse, but you have at last arrived at Rosgabel, where Radagast examines the bird. 
He then asks you to head out into the wilderness and find the healing plant Athalas. Meantime, any healing law or supplies in your party has at its disposal could be used to assist in comforting the eagle until you return. So that's what it says on the front. Now, riddle me this then. Why on earth could we not have done that en route? It's like, I've got this healing stuff. Uh, should we give it to the uh, dying eagle? No. <laughs> let's, just, let's just wait till we get to Roscoe It's like, but he, he really doesn't look well. <laughs> I thought the idea... Okay. For me, I, you know how I love to uh, you know, subconsciously justify everything that's going on in the game. For me, I felt that like you needed Radagast's knowledge of the creature to know how to use it on on an eagle. Because Radagast is, yeah, obviously he's at one with the whole animal world, isn't he, in, in Lord of the Rings. And that was my take on it. So you needed the knowledge of Radagast to heal him. Well, I think that's perfectly fair enough. But let's go for your other scenario there where you've managed to bring out Radagast on, say, your second turn, and you're still en route to Roscobel, and you're going, hey, Radagast, can we heal the eagle? Why aren't you saying anything, Radagast? No, he needs to get to Roscobel because that's where he's got all his um, equipment. Ah. And his tomes of, of old um, enchantments. <laughs> you see, I, I can do this all day. <laughs> no, I won't say anything wrong with it. <laughs> um, okay, so we flip that card over. So you flip that card over and you see that. Oh, by the way, I do like the artwork on this. Oh, yeah. As Radagast is comforting. Well, as we talked about last week, I mean, there's just something nice about a wizard being close to an eagle, isn't there? Yeah, it it works, doesn't it? Wizards, (laughs) giant eagles, I mean, perfect. (laughs) What more do you want? (laughs) Okay, so you can see from straight away flipping it over, you need 12 progress to get through this card. And there's a response. After the quest phase begins, the first player may place X damage tokens on Williador to look at the top three cards of the encounter deck, reveal and add one of these cards to the staging area, and discard the other two. X is the number of players in the game. Okay. And we'll explain why that's important to do in a second. Um, Forced, after a card effect heals Williador, Remove that card from the game. Now, that was a weird one for me, because this is another inadvertent cheating one. And we'll, we'll come, when we talk about how we got through the quest, we'll come back to that, because there was something that kind of confused me. Just something to remember, let's not discuss it now. We'll come to it. It's like one of three or four cheats that I think I did. This episode is the perpetual, we'll come to it in a minute. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. In a minute, you'll do your song and the show will end. <laughs> on the world's smallest banjo but no, no, but I think this quest really is around your approach to it is everything um, uh, that's what I found anyway and there are certain things I tried to do which just didn't work at all um, okay so this quest card is so what's gen- unless, you, unless you have quested through Roscobel like you said you know I guess you want to be moving to Roscobel travelling there as soon as you get to this card um, just to get it out of the staging area so you can start healing Williador. Yeah. But how are we going to heal him? How are we going to heal him? So what it did say on the first side of that card is he asked you to head out into the wilderness and find the healing plant Athalas. So what is Athalas? So shall I read out the Athalas card? It's a weed. It's <laughs> known as King's Foil. Aye, it's a weed. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Good old Sam. Um, so it's an objective card which is found in the encounter deck. And it's an item. <laughs> and it's guarded. So just as a reminder, and this is one of the things which I learned when we discussed on one of the previous episodes. If you draw this from the encounter deck, sort of naturally, you have to draw another card in the encounter deck, put it on top of it. And if it's a location or a, an enemy, you have to defeat the enemy or explore the location to claim it. Or if it's a treachery card, you have to... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, ideally a treachery is fine because you will obviously suffer the consequences, but then it's gone. So yeah. your, your objective is uh, is free for the claiming. Exactly. And it's got an action, exhaust a hero to claim this objective if it has no encounters attached. Then attach Athanas to that hero. Yeah. So there are, I, don't, I have no idea how many there are in the deck. I think uh, three, four. Oh, there are, there are four. I know there are four. Oh, they're awful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know this, as we'll come up to later. Later, <laughs> after your song. <laughs> In part six of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think it's, well, the first time you play this, you think, okay, I've got to get these Athelus cards, but it doesn't really say what they do. No, no. But I mean, uh, only by the flavor text on the uh, card that Radagast is, it says that we can get the herb to help heal the bird. It's... Uh, it's likely it's going to help heal the bird. Yes, <laughs> you should hope so. <laughs> Unless Radagast got it all wrong. <laughs> but then I just want to jump to something before we move on to the final quest card. Yeah. Um, so on this card, we need to be searching for this Aphelas because we think we're meant to because Radagast has told us to, but we don't really know what it does yet. But we also can start healing Williador if we can. And you think, oh, this this is going to be great. I, I've got cards that can heal. But actually, it's a nightmare. Because Williador can't take attachments. So that means that you can't use self-preservation. So self-preservation is a brilliant law attachment that you attach it and then you exhaust self-preservation and, and, and it heals your uh, your ally. Uh, but Williador can't have that. So that's out. Um, there's the Daughter of Nimrodal who's an ally that you exhaust and it heals, uh, she heals damage, but only to heroes. Yeah. So she's out. And then the other stipulation is that as soon as you do use a card to heal Williador, it's removed from play. So you've got Radagast, who you've been saving up. And like you say, you could maybe use five uh, resources from him to heal his maximum amount, but then he's gone. But I mean that's relatively uh, in keeping with the flavour of the uh, of the quest. Yeah. But then I, I, that was one of my cheats. Ah, ah. But then you could have just kept saving it up and then use it at the last minute. You but know. you can only use five. True. Yes. Because as soon as you've healed him to a maximum of five, he's gone. So you no point saving any more than five because you'd lose them anyway. Yeah. And then one of the other options. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that one. Okay. Later. <laughs> One of the other options is to use the hero, Glorfindel. Okay, okay, we've come to it now. (laughs) That wasn't very much later. (laughs) No, it wasn't, but it was later. (laughs) Well, tell me. I was so cunning. Well, maybe remind the listener of what Glorfindel can do. Okay, so Glorfindel, he's pretty powerful. He's expensive, he's got a starting cost of 12. He quests for free, he hits for free. Only got one shield, but he's got five hit points. Powerful stuff. Uh, he's a noble, Noldor warrior. 
And it's got an action, <laughs> which is pay one resource from Glorfindel's pool to heal one damage on any character. Limit once per round. Perfect. So I thought, this is perfect. <laughs> as soon as we get to Roscobel, in fact, well, that was my first bit of cheating. I've totally forgot about that first card. So from the very first card, <laughs> oh, brilliant. He's only, effectively, he's only going to get one, one damage on Williador rather than two every round. If I get Radagast out as well, then he's not getting any. Fantastic. Yeah, he's got it nailed down. Yeah. <laughs> and it all just slowly, as each, I realised each rule just fell apart and fell apart and fell apart. This is a disaster. And it was usually like quite near the end. And I, I, I realised each one on a different attempt as well, just to be double annoying. So yeah, it was, it was yeah. It's quite brutal. So just for the listener, so obviously Glorfindel, <laughs> even though he's a hero, as soon as he did heal his point of damage on Williador, he would get removed. There's no getting away with it just because he's a hero, so he would be removed from play. So what was the look on your face when you realised this? <laughs> You'd actually have to take your hero, your most powerful and most expensive hero, off of the table. I have no idea what the look on my face was. But I know the dark feeling in my soul has stayed with me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I started again because I, I realised I'd just been cheating all the way through. So first go, I was healing during the first quest. Uh, okay, realised right near the end. In fact, on that one, I think I realised at the end when I went I had a look through. And then, yeah, and then the Williador one I realised right near the end. And then the Radagast one as well on the next go. So it was, I'd spent ages <laughs> going through this quest and then three different things happened to deny me victory. But but yeah, so it's really important to be aware of those rules. I guess regular listeners to the podcast probably have figured out by now, but I'm pretty useless at following all the rules. Well, no, you get there eventually. Yeah, I get there eventually. I do get there eventually. I'm not, yeah, it's like... Yeah, I'm not an early adopter of, of technology like we discussed last week. Apparently, I'm not an early adopter of rules either. So, <laughs> for me, they seem like easy mistakes to make. And I'm sure there will be some people out there who would also accidentally make some of these mistakes. Well. It's just because there's so much going on at the same time. It's easy to forget a constant effect of a card sitting there. Yeah. That's why I go back to that thing. And I didn't follow my own advice, which I said right at the beginning of the whole thing, which is read every card every time. Yeah. No, but it, it is easy to miss. And then, but it is then shocking to go, well, wait, wait a minute. I've loaded my deck up with healers and I can't use any of them. Well, you can. And then they'll be gone. Well, you can't use uh, the attachment and you can't use the Daughter of Nimrodel. And I certainly don't recommend that you use Glorfindel. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's basically, actually, up until this release, there's only one healing card apart from Radagast that you can use, and that's the Law of Imladris. And it's a very powerful card. It's an event, and it heals all damage from a character. However, that would be limited to five on Williador because of his card text. But as you can tell, that's the best you could possibly hope for. But yeah. we've digressed slightly because we've jumped onto sort of how we were playing the quest. Um, so I think what that suggests, though, and the reason for that aside is coming back to the as yet unknown effect of the Athelas. Oh, it's going to be necessary. It's going to be yeah, necessary. Yeah, it's really, you need to find these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
Okay, shall we go to... Yes, let's say we found a couple of Appalachians and we're questing along. And what did you say we have to quest on this one? It's not too much. 12, I think you said. 12. It's still a fair amount, but... Yeah, okay, but it's not too bad. It's not too fighty a quest either. Although we will discuss some of this too. So, yeah, so you've quested for, for 12. You've managed to keep Willardor alive, perhaps. Well, you, otherwise you've lost a game, obviously yep. you have. You have, yeah. And you've maybe got a couple of Appalachians, whatever it is. And then the third quest card is Return to Roscobel. Okay. Feeling that time is running out on Williador's life, you gather the Aphalas you have found and head back to Roscobel. You arrive at night wondering if you have found enough of the herb. You flip it over. There are no progress tokens required. Yes. To pass this card. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've got another story about this. Okay. So when revealed, heal five wounds from Williador. For each Aphalus objective card, the players control. Yes. Five each. Yes. Okay. <laughs> if Williador is completely healed, when this effect resolves, Williador survives and the players have won the game. Otherwise, the players have lost the game. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So I had... So, so, well, okay, well, let's talk about that card. So basically, there is no questing, obviously, on, on this card... You just get back, and at that point, it's really two quest cards, really. Yeah. And at the end of that second one, you have to have enough Aphalus in your possession to heal Willydor completely. Yeah, and actually, this is... I, I do actually... Right, okay, I'm just going to... I want to start this by saying I do actually really like this adventure, but I have a real... I have one big beef. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Return of a beef. <laughs> And it's this quest card because it's really disappointing. If you don't know it's coming and you fail it, you just fail it. I mean, and it's just over and the whole quest is over and you go, oh, you don't go, oh, close. You go, oh, oh, ah, I better start again then completely with the knowledge now of exactly what you have to do to win. Yes. Now, if you see this in contrast with um, Hunt for Gollum, where there's kind of a similar quest card three, where if you haven't found the clues, you have to reset back to quest card two. Right. And what happens there? I mean, I understand they didn't want to just repeat the same mechanic, but what happens there is that you jump onto quest card three in Hunt for Gollum and you haven't found the clues and you have to reset back to quest card two and you go, oh my God, I've got to do this all again and I'm running out of time. Because your time is then based on your um, on your threat going up. So you now have to quest again, find the clues, and then get through quest card three again. And it gives this sort of increasing sense of impending doom that you have to get through it. And now you know what you have to do. With this one, you get to quest card three. And if you haven't got the uh, objective cards, you just lose. And there's no, there's no alternative method of beating it. It's not like with Gollum where you can go, okay, well, I, I can, if I could go back, I can get one, I can do this, and then I could just maybe scrape through. With this, you either lose or you win. And you only know this on your sort of second playthrough. Um, and it, it's like the designers could have made this just a little bit more subtle that if you just allowed the Aflas to be spent on that third quest card, that you could spend the Aflas and heal five, like it says... Um, and then it's removed from the game, it still gives you that race against the clock. 
because it's like you could now spend them, but you still need to find the last ones. How do you mean? Sorry, what you think it should like uh, reset or something? Well, no, no, because you could just have say one questing point on it or whatever, but you can't beat the game until Willydor is healed. So you get to quest card three, and it says ah. you can now spend your Apalas, and each Apalas heals Willydor by five. So let's say you've got sixteen damage on Willydor, and you've got three Apalas. You bring him right down to one. But then the next quest round, he's up to three again. So you're like, okay, can I get some some resources off of Radagast to get him down to nothing? It still becomes a race against the clock as he keeps on progressively getting worse. But now you could spend the Appalass. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a game designer, but I think that would be a, uh, an interesting way. It still puts it against the clock rather than just going, yeah, you didn't do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I partially agree and partially disagree with that i think i do agree from purely a game perspective and disregarding everything else it's a bit like okay the first time you do it you don't know what's going to happen and then okay then the second time you've got the pre-knowledge so you know and then yes i totally get that but i would say that in terms of the story in something like the hunt for Gollum. You didn't get enough clues you got to go back out into the wild and risk yourself more and try and find that clue I think that works in terms of a story. You're going back out into the wilderness, whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas this one works for me as well because Willie Daw's going to die. And you didn't bring enough back. That was it. You failed. And there's no, hold on, just stay alive for a little bit. Willie Daw, we're going to pop out, try and find some more Aphalas. Yeah, but maybe Radagast could heal his last bits, you know? So it's like, oh yeah, you you almost had enough Aphalas and now Radagast can heal him. I like the brutality of it. I like the fact that, you know, you, you don't know how much you need. Well, you do the second time, obviously. But that's why the first time you play it, it's like, oh, yes, you're right. It's disappointing. But then you just failed. And you didn't know what was coming. You didn't know how much was going to be. I actually think it probably works better the first time you play it rather than the subsequent times. Yeah. Because, you know, the bird is dead. Or the bird is alive. Yay. (laughs) Um. I suppose on a uh, looking on the bright side of that, if you do get back and the bird died, you could just all eat the bird. Delicious, is it? It's like Radagast. Do you, do you have to cook these things? <laughs> Apologies to our vegetarian. Yeah, or people who just choose not to eat eagle. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> so yeah, so I've got an interesting one on this. Or shall we? Shall I? Well, okay. Well, I guess we did talk about um, some of my disappointments already. <laughs> I had a really weird situation in this game, and I thought I'd won, and then I kind of realised later that I didn't. Ah. And what it was, and and I could have won, but I just, in a weird way, chose not to through my stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so you're choosing to be stupid now? I was. Yes, basically, I think that's what happened. So. What happened was, I had managed to get... So I decided just to go full-on questing on Velasco. Well, I said, well, it would turn out to be Velasco. I thought, right, bash through this, because I couldn't afford any more. I had just about enough to heal Williador. Okay, so you knew what was coming then? Well, well no, so so I had two Athelas in the staging area, which are unclaimed. 
Sorry, I cannot believe that. I've got a very, very similar story. Go on, off you go. Okay, so two was for unclaimed. And I thought, what I'll do is, in case I don't quest successfully, I won't exhaust these guys so then they can fight whoever needs to fight or, you know, the situation is. But if I do quest successfully, I'll just exhaust these characters, claim the objectives. Ah, no. Done. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I thought, so perfect. Okay, got through the quest. Great. I uh, turned my two heroes sideways, claimed for two Athalas, flipped the card over, had just enough. I think he had something like nine damage or whatever. I was had two Athalas, or 14 damage and three Athalas in total, whatever it was. Won the game, hooray. But actually, I don't think that's actually correct. I think that once you've quested successfully, you immediately turn over the card, right? Yeah, yeah. At any point you place the final quest token onto that quest card, you immediately halt all proceedings and uh, and turn over the next card. And then you read everything on that card. Yeah, but I guess there's no action window. Oh, no. In between oh, flipping no. over the card. There's nothing. Everything, everything <laughs> right. stops. Yeah, and you do the when revealed of the card. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I basically lost. I could have won. But actually, it kind of worked because I did kind of be cautious and not claim it, so not to exhaust those two heroes yeah. in case something came from the um, encounter deck. So actually, I did get what I deserved. Didn't <laughs> but that was particularly annoying because I thought I'd won the game and then I actually ended up playing it again afterwards. So I thought I was determined to win it before we did this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you had time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, well, I mean, this is not really a story, but the first time I played it and I was surprised by uh, Quest Card 3B, I had two Aplas claimed and two in the staging area, and I didn't know what was coming on Quest Card 3. I'd completely forgotten from when I played it years ago. Turned it over and just lost the game. I'd healed uh, William Dor down to two with the Aplas on my heroes and uh, just had the cards just sat there thinking, oh, I'll claim them in a minute. I just... Uh, <laughs> Got all the time in the world. I'll get them on the way back <laughs> to Roscoe. Yeah, where's the Ethelus? Oh, I left it on the... Yeah. I'll, I'll... <laughs> oh, let me just go and get it. I'll get it in a minute. Or you just pop out, you bring it back and he's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have brought it with you. Yeah. Probably a yeah. better idea, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll remember that. That happens again. <laughs> um... Okay, I just want to jump back. Before we start talking a little bit about how we eventually uh, bested this quest, there was one thing on stage two, which we did sort of jumped over. Yeah. Sort of a, a, a way that we could potentially find more Aplas from the encounter deck. So I just want to quickly touch on that, and then we'll crack on to how we actually beat it. Yeah, so that's for you. So you're talking about for a response on here. So just to read that out again. After the quest phase begins, the first player may place X damage tokens on Williador to look at the top three cards of the encounter deck. Reveal and add one of these cards to the staging area and discard the other two X's for number of players in the game. So what that's about, obviously, now we've gone through the quest and we know what it is, that's so you can get through as many cards as possible to find the Athalas. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you don't find one, you got an extra card in the staging area or an extra treachery, whatever it is. And then you still got to have to reveal one during the quest phase as well. Um, but that is a really useful 
response, but also it's risky too. Wow, well, yeah, it, it's de- it's definitely useful, but it, you're you're adding damage, which is uh, which is tricky. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't affair, isn't it? It's interesting that you add because we've never played this two player. I think no, I don't think so. And it's interesting that you add two damage if it's two player or three damage if it's three player. But you still only reveal the top three cards of the encounter deck. Yeah, it's exponentially more difficult with multiple players because, yeah, I mean, there's only one Williador, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's not like you have one each. So it, it does seem strange that. Yeah, I wonder. If it should. I guess it would. I don't know. Well, I guess I haven't played it, so we probably don't know the nuances of it. But I would just from looking at that first glance, I would imagine that you should maybe be always one damage every time you do that. Because what advantage do you get from two-player? Unless you revealed three cards per player, you know, that might make more sense. Yeah, but I mean, but it's not that, is it? I mean, the only advantage you have in two-player in this scenario, I mean, it's not really an advantage, but you are revealing more cards from the encounter deck anyway. That's true. But that's happening anyway. So whether or not you put the extra damage... That's why. Yeah, no, that makes sense, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, if you're playing two players... You'll get through twice as many encounters. You've got twice as much chance of getting an, uh, an Aphilas. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. A- anyway, yeah. So, okay, it does make sense. Then. There you go. Yeah, solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a tricky one, that, because I did try some tactics of trying to find the Aphilas by putting damage on Willyador, but it goes up so quickly. Oh, yeah. And like I say, I did sort of worked out that there are only four Aflas in the encounter deck. So you know that if you basically break that 15, 16 damage boundary on Williador, you need all four of those Aflas if you want to win the game. So it'd be, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's tough. Difficulty level six. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tough quest. I mean, you can get far in it every time. But to actually win it, you've got to have... And, and we haven't even spoken about some of the cards in the encounter deck yet, but there are some horrible things that can happen along the way in this quest. And I actually only found one way to beat it, and even doing it that is not a regular feat. You know, you've got to have things go for you. Um, well, let's let's go over how we sort of beat it. And I think in the process of doing that, we will inevitably talk about uh, certain cards that cropped up from the encounter deck. And then at the end, if there's any extra ones that we want to mention, we can uh, we can just quickly highlight those. Okay. Well, I I mean we'll jump backwards and forwards because I've got a couple of things here. But I actually I still had on uh, RingsDB the deck I built when I first played it that uh, I quite proudly uh, published that had quite consistently beat this quest. And I thought, well, I'll just build it again. You know, it's a progressive deck. It should work fine. I mean, admittedly, I think I only had one core set at the time rather than the three I have now. So I thought, well, maybe I'll add a few more of the uh, the single cards and things like that. But I looked at it and it was amazing how different I build decks. And now I'm all into uh, sort of consistency, having as, as few different types of cards in my deck as possible and just plenty of them. And this one, it was like, I had one of this and one of that and two of those and uh, this guy for good measure and uh, this one for no real reason. And I thought, well, okay, I will take that as a base point. I'll take those heroes and I'll refine it a bit. And the heroes in that initial deck, this is not the deck I beat it with in the end, were Bilbo, Theodrid and Imrahil. And 
when I added all the cards together that I wanted, it came to uh, 56. And you know I don't like that. You know I like to keep it down to a 50-card deck. And I thought... That's a small deck. <laughs> I, I thought of you. I thought, what would M do? I thought he would just play it. He'll just play with the 56 and you'll see what works. And I thought, do you know what? That's valid. I'll play with it. I'll see what works. And then I started putting together the encounter decks. And I, I took the different encounter sets which needed to be put together to make this quest. And I saw that it was the Spiders of Mirkwood was one of the uh, encounter sets. And then, of course, I know through countless plays that that has Caught in a Web in, which is the condition attachment, which, right. as we've talked about many times, can only be removed at this stage by including the Miner of the Iron Hills, who is a dwarf that when he enters play, you can remove a condition attachment. So I thought, okay, well, he wasn't in my original build. I'll just put in three Miner of the Iron Hills because I don't want to get caught in a web as well. So I started this with 59 cards. <laughs> so not only nine cards more than you normally would, but also an odd number. I mean, you were never going to defeat it with that. That, that, that was one that you lost with, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But actually, I think I... I um, <laughs> I lost it quite amusingly, if that's any, if that, <laughs> if that's any, any consolation. Um, I think, let me see if I can, I'm, I'm going to have to try and make head or tail of these notes. But basically, if I understand this correctly, I'd claimed one Aflas on Imrahil. And I then was engaged with some bats. Now, what are they? Forest bats? Black forest bats. Okay, and I'll just read out these guys. So... They're an enemy, the Black Forest Bats. They have an engagement cost of 26. They contribute threat of 1. They hit for 1. They have no defense. And they only have 2 hit points. So they are super easy. I mean, they don't contribute much threat and they're easy to kill. However, they have a uh, constant ability. It says, only eagle characters or characters with ranged can attack or defend against Black Forest Bats. Now, in my deck, I had zero ranged cards and no eagles. So the only eagle I had was Williador. It sounds very familiar. <laughs> so these guys engaged me because they, they come at you when you're above 26 and I was already way past that. So I was just using Williador to defend against these guys. So I had no way of attacking them at all. So, because Willidor was my only form of attack and he was defending. So, they were just engaged with me. So, I quested on this round with Theodrid and Imrahil. And Imrahil had the Athelas. So, then, on that round, when I was questing with those guys, I drew a treachery. A treachery called Exhaustion. I hate this. <laughs> this has got some of the worst treachery cards we've seen so far in the game. Probably the worst, actually. Oh, my God. So... Exhaustion states this, and this is not the last time you're going to hear about exhaustion. It says, it's a treachery. It says, when revealed, deal two damage to each exhausted character. That's pretty nasty. Pretty simple, but pretty nasty. But what happened here is that killed Imrahil. So that means he died, which meant that I lost my one Athalas. So <laughs> that, that was a bit annoying. So the next round, I was questing with Theodrid, and I drew another Athalas. I was probably questing with other people as well, but it's important that Theodrid is quested because he needs to be exhausted. 
you'll see why. Um, I drew another Aflat, so that got guarded by Ungoliant Spawn. <laughs> hey, look, at least you can attack Ungoliant Spawn. Well, yes, but Ungoliant Spawn has a when revealed effect. Oh, yeah. It says each character currently committed to the quest gets minus one willpower until the end of the phase. Okay. So that meant I quested unsuccessfully, which pushed my threat up past 32, which meant that Ungoliant Spawn engaged me. Right? Pass for game. <laughs> so I was now engaged by Ungoliant Spawn, who had the Aflas I needed, and those bats still. So I, I was defending the bats with Williador. I revealed the shadow on the bats. It was exhaustion. Oh, no. I told you it wasn't going to be the last time you heard of this. So the shadow on this treachery card is deal one damage to each exhausted character. That <laughs> that killed Theodred. <laughs> Did you carry on at this point? <laughs> well, then Bilbo was killed by Angolian Spawn. And that was the end of that. And that was the end of that. <laughs> So that was my sort of attempt of just going back to my original deck. So I, I, I did, you know, actually, I'm quite pleased I managed to sort of read through those notes there. But um, yeah. Were they written in some, some ancient rune? <laughs> <laughs> you had to blow dust off them. <laughs> I mean, I will, I will talk about how I did manage to beat it because it is, I think, quite fun. But let's just jump to you for a moment. Let's, let's hear how you combated it and see how similar it is. Well, I too had a, a deck which I'd say from the first time. First time, I, when I say the first time, I mean the first time I played it through back in February, whenever it was, and I did it a handful of times and beat it, and then I never played it again after that until just the last couple of weeks. Now, at the end of the last episode, we were, well, I was ranting and raving about how excited I was about eagles, and it was all eagles, eagles, and the next quest is eagly. <laughs> We've got an injured eagle. Let's bring in the eagles. So I was really excited to have like an eagle deck. I did what I said I was going to do at the end of the last episode. Put every single eagle card. <laughs> every single one was in there. That was just about 30 or 33 or something like that. And then I filled in some of the rest, whatever. Absolutely useless. <laughs> well, not against bats. You can beat bats and for crows or whatever they are. Mirkwood crows. Is it the Mirkwood Oh, Mer crows? Mirkwood flock. Yeah, we, we, do you want to just talk about that one? Because that's very similar to the bats, actually. It's basically the same as the bats, but just a bit harder. So they have an engagement of 32 rather than 26. They have a threat of one. They hit for two. And they have a shield of one, which is important. And they have three hit points. Again, it's got the same effect. Only eagle characters or characters with range can attack or defend against Mirkwood Flock. So the eagle deck was fine dealing with bats and birds, but nothing else. <laughs> um, the important thing about having one defence on the Mirkwood Flock is Willydor can't do anything to them. No. Whereas if you've got the bats, in two rounds, if you attack with Willydor twice, you can get rid of the bats, do one damage each time. Yeah. But the, but the flock and the bats can really stitch you up because what's also important in this quest, as your example kind of suggested too, is it's not just important to keep damage off Willyador on this quest. It's also really important to keep damage off your heroes too, and your allies, if you can. Because, and we'll talk about the rest of the treachery cards in a second, but there are some horrible, nasty 
effects here, which is and it's all about damage. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I gave up with the Eagles and uh, lost heart after having four or five attempts of it. But what am I doing here? I mean, it is a bit ironic. I mean, I mean, I think the listeners probably know that we both very excited by the uh, the potential of the Eagle decks that we were discussing last week. But it is a bit ironic that the quest, which is solely based around the death of an eagle, eagles can't help. But I suppose, you know, how are they going to? They, they, they... <laughs> well, I think the key thing is it's about eagles dying. And that's exactly what I experienced when I played my <laughs> eagle deck. It was just cruelty to earth. The RSPB were going to be all over me. I had to, I had to stop. It was just getting bad. So I went back. I did the same thing. I went back to my original deck which I'd beat it with. And that was two law heroes, Glorfindel, who I mentioned already, and had Bilbo there too, to get the extra card, and um, an Aragorn. And the idea, it was pretty basic, which my deck's got 51 cards, by the way. <sighs> how, how, <laughs> how things have changed. Uh, that was probably my first kind of succinct deck. Um, <laughs> but I love it. You couldn't get rid of one. Just like, nope. It's exactly the right amount. Yeah. Yes, it was. And uh, but I will go back again and say, if you have three of everything, yeah, 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 it's yeah. fifty-one, not fifty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so the idea, and this is, I guess, my basic thinking the first time round, and it hasn't advanced that much, evidently, <laughs> since then. Was have Aragorn there to get resource, get a steward of Gondor on him, so bump it up. Get Bilbo there to get the cards. So you've got cards and you've got money to spend on the... Or sorry, resource to spend on the cards. And then a whole bunch of healing stuff. But as you were talking about earlier, the healing, I think I was quite naive when I played this the first time. And actually, most of them are out. But yeah. the law of Imladris is absolutely key in this deck. It's, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, literally. And if I don't have it in this deck, then this deck's not going to beat the game either. And so the key thing is you get through the cards, maybe get a Gleowine out as well to get you an extra card and all this, and get, um, what was the name of the Nimrodel's? Daughter of Nimrodel. So I was using her and Glorfindel's effect to heal the heroes and the allies. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually valid. I mean, I was saying earlier that you couldn't use these cards, but actually, like you say, there's a lot of damage going in other places as well as Williador. Yeah, self-preservation was useful as well. So, so that was all about keeping the damage off the heroes and the allies. And that's really important because you, know, you read out that treachery exhaustion. Ugh. There is also, this quest has got my old favourite, the Necromancer's Reach. Oh, no, here we go again. Which is the same, but it's one damage. It says, yeah, do one damage to each exhausted character. So more damage there. And there are two more really nasty treacheries too, should I? Yeah, I think I know what they're going to be, but let's go for it. So there's Festering Wounds. Now this one is hot. This is why it's so important to keep the damage off your allies and your heroes if you can. Especially your allies. Your allies will go down straight away with this one. When revealed... Deal two damage to each wounded character. Unbelievable. So if you're not in rude health, you might not be in any kind of health at all by the end of this card. So that, you know, if you've got one damage on Bilbo, he's dead. Yeah. If you've got one damage on pretty much most of your allies, they're probably going to be dead in a law and leadership deck. Yeah, and and of course remember that Williador is guaranteed to be injured. He's injured from the moment you start the game. So he's getting two more straight away. Yeah, exactly. 
And then that's got a nasty shadow too, which is similarly deal one damage to each wounded character, two damage if it's undefended. So exhaustion and festering wounds, very horrible. And then the third one, shall I read the yep. third one? It kind of completes that little sort of triangle <laughs> of horridness. It's, <laughs> it's swarming insects. Oh. When revealed, deal one damage to each character without any attachments. So again, you know, you can't have attachments on Williardon. And your allies probably aren't going to have attachments. Yeah. And if you're early on in the game, your heroes won't have any attachments either. So, you know, it's yeah, really horrible stuff. And the shadow effect of this, if a character, including Williador, <laughs> I mean, why not just... Okay, if a character, including Williador, has more damage than each other character, deal free additional damage to that character. Basically, that shadow is put free damage on Williador. That's yeah. basically what it means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to have more damage unless you've got some crazy Gimli uh, Citadel plate kind of thing going on. But that's not going to help you in this quest either. So... Um, so yeah, so they were the collection of really horrible treacheries. And yeah, so it's all about damage and it's all about trying to, for me, the way, and this is the only way I figured out to beat it. I'm sure there are other ways to do it that I, yeah, I'm not aware of. But for me, it was all around minimizing the damage on or healing the damage really on not just Willydor, but on the, on the heroes as well, just to keep them alive. Otherwise, these treacheries get two or three of these and yeah. you're, you're out of the game. That's how brutal it can be. And then you're just sort of burning through the deck to get to the Aphalas because you know, you've already played it once, so you know how many Aphalas you are going to need in order to complete the scenario. Um, now, it's interesting because actually your, your, your heroes are quite similar to mine. I refined my deck into a Bilbo, Aragorn, and Theodred. I don't really know why I kept Theodred al- along. I think mostly because of the Aragorn Theodred, uh, sort of just the combo of keeping him ready because there's so many of these uh, exhausted effects that are damaging exhausted characters. But I really put Aragorn in purely to put Calabrian Stone onto him so that I could obviously help him quest with that, but it also means that he gets the spirit resource icon, which meant that I could put three Test of Wills in just to cancel some of these horrible, horrible treacheries when they were revealed. Um, if, yeah, if you're lucky enough to find them, of course. I was tempted to put in um, Eleanor, Eleanor. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that can, if you exhaust her, that would cancel the when revealed effect, yeah. but then you have to reveal another card. I, I didn't do it in the end, just I thought if she's always exhausted, there's going to be a problem too. But that was another thing that came to me. I think you could probably have some some kind of spirit deck might be able to do a fair bit in this quest. Yeah, but. yeah, but you need that lore, of course, because you yeah. do need that lore of Imladris. I mean, I like you say that I don't think you can get past it unless you get that lore of Imladris. And just as a, just a reminder, I mean, we did mention this earlier, but Law of Enlargeus is a three-cost event, I believe. It's quite expensive, but it does allow you to heal all damage off of a single character. But when that comes to Williador, as long as you've got to Roscobel, you can only heal five, because that's just on his card there. But if you get all three of those, yeah. then for a cost of six, if you get all three, that's 15 damage you can get off Williador. That's how powerful that can be. Is it cost of six? Is it is it a cost of three or cost of two for that one? It's a cost of two. Oh, two. Is it? Okay. Nardris. Okay. Oh, that's that's great. Although I guess one other treachery to be aware of is the eyes of the forest. I came a cropper of this as well. So if you are playing that 
Uh, yeah, if you get Lord in Largess in early and you can't yet heal, will your dog? This one has a when revealed effect. Each player discards all event cards in his hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, why not? Thanks a million. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you, you were saying about how you couldn't really sort of see a different way of doing it, and actually, I came up with a completely different style of playing. Which is it was completely not what I expected to do, and and that's one of the joys of actually going back to revisit these early quests is that I can look at the game from a different perspective now, and also going through the old player cards together on the cast here is making me think how those cards can be put into play in a whole different view, and a, and a card which I had never really paid too much attention to really came into its own. And that was Shadow of the Past. And just as a reminder on that one, that's a neutral event. Uh, at the top of my head, I can't remember what it costs. I can just I'll look that up for you in a second. But basically what it does is it will take the top card of the encounter discard pile and put it back onto the top of the encounter deck. Now, why that's very, very useful in this quest is that for two reasons. One, you could draw an Aphalas as a shadow card. And if you do, there's no way of claiming it. It will just go to the uh, discard pile when you either defeat that enemy or you go outside of the combat phase. So with Shadow of the Past, you can bring that card straight back to the top of the encounter deck to guarantee that you get it the next round. But there's one location that really helped me out, and that's the Forest Grove. (laughs) The rarely seen... Forest Grove. Actually, <laughs> Shadow of the Past is useful for this card too. Well, yes, this is exactly what I used it for. So um, do you happen to have the Forest Grove there? Now, Shadow of the Past isn't a card which... Uh, I think it's in this cycle, but it comes later in the cycle. It's a, I, just, I only say that because I think it's Return to Mirkwood okay. that comes in. But that's fine. We've gone through all of the, um, yeah. All of the cards, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the house rule I'm playing with anyway for playing through these quests is that I'm only using cards from this cycle for this cycle's quest because those are the cards we're talking about. Um, But that is fair. If you're playing true progressively, then yeah, you haven't got it yet. So uh, it's a shadow in the future. (laughs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) Um, But the Forest Grove, I don't actually have the card here. Yeah, I've got got it here. So it's a very lovely looking place. It's like a pretty mellow little area. It's um, it's a location which has a threat of two. It takes free progress to get through it. And its response is, after the players explore Forest Grove, search the encounter deck and discard pile for one Aphalas objective and add it to the staging area. Then shuffle the encounter deck. So that's double good. So you get through that and you get an Aphalas. And not only that, it's added to the staging area. So it's not revealed. And something important to note about the quest card two we were talking about earlier, when you search through the top three cards of the encounter deck, wording there is reveal and add. So you have to guard it. Yeah. Whereas if you add it through the forest grove, it doesn't become guarded. Yeah. So basically you've explored the forest grove and you found some Aphalas. Yeah. That's great. Perfect. Yeah. So actually, so this was my successful game. So I'll just see if I can make head or tail of my notes here. But this is where I was basically using A Shadow of the Past and Forest Grove to great aplomb. So basically, I had no Aphalas and Willia Dor was 
I'm going to say he was kind of in his teens. <laughs> so, was it 1989? Absolutely. <laughs> He's a young teen. <laughs> um, so he was in his teens of damage, and I had found no Aplas. But then I found Forest Grove as a shadow. Oh. <laughs> so I defeated the enemy, or I don't know what the enemy was. That is not in my notes. But I had two Shadow of the Past in my hand. So I played Shadow of the Past to return Forest Grove to the top of the encounter deck, which meant that the next round it would get revealed as the location. And then I traveled there and then the following round explored it. By the way, each round, of course, Willie Dawes getting more and more damage on him. So then I explored it and got an Apalas. And then once I explored it, I played the second Shadow of the Past, to put it straight back to the top of the encounter deck again. So I was just really bouncing that card back and forth to get the Aplas out. Um, I managed to get a Radagast out, but this is in stage 2B, so I mean, it, I, I hadn't been able to save up. At this point, Williador had broken the 15 barrier, so I knew I was going to need all four Aplas to, uh, to heal him if I was going to get to stage 3. And then I had in my deck... Now, you mentioned earlier that Bilbo was vital for drawing the extra card, which he is, because you want to find those uh, Law of Imladris as much as possible, yeah. as quickly as possible, yeah. because you've got to get those cards out to try and keep a lid on uh, what's happening with Williador. But I had an ally in my hand, which we haven't spoken about yet, but... We will get to him because he is part of this cycle. But I think I will mention him now and then we'll talk more in depth about him when we get to doing uh, the lore player cards. But it's Gildor Inglorian. So he's a unique named ally. I mean, Gildor, I don't know if you remember, I think he is leading the elves that scared the original Nazgul away when Frodo was hiding under the log right at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. I think he's the one who... Uh, He's a wood elf. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, when we actually discuss the card in depth, I will uh, find out who Gilder is, but I believe that's who he was. Um, so he costs five. What am I doing putting him in my deck? Eh? But he, he is very powerful. He costs five. He quests for three. He hits for two. And he has three defense and three hit points. He is tough. He's heroic. He's like a hero. <laughs> he is, he is. But he also has a very, very powerful action, which is great for this quest, because it's his action, Exhaust Gildor and Glorian, to look at the top three cards of your deck, switch one of those cards with a card from your hand, then return the three cards to the top of your deck in any order. So not only can you sort of stack the deck in your favour of what's going to come up sort of in the next couple of rounds, it lets you dive into the top of your deck to try and find that law of Imladris as quick as possible. So I was drawing two with Bilbo straight off the bat, exhausting Gildor to look at the next three. So essentially I was looking at five cards every round to try and find those laws of Imladris. So, and that was vital. So that's why I thought I'd better actually mention him because he really did help me. Um, but anyway, I digress. But it's just so you know, I was that's how I was looking for those uh, those laws of Enlardris. Yeah, that's that's quite a powerful. That's quite a powerful effect, then, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, because you're basically you're using that to manage your own deck. Yeah, 
drawing a couple every time and then swapping out one for one of the next three every single go. Yeah. And you, and then you know what's coming next as well. So yeah. that's yeah, that's yeah, that's really good. So um can I ask a question actually? So you just mentioned order of the cards where you're putting them back on your deck. Just to go back to Shadow of the Past, because I've not really used that card before. Well neither have I. But yeah. <laughs> but what's the order? It's quite a basic rule, which I probably have been ignoring a bit. What's the order in which you're meant to put cards on the discard pile? Ah, it's not that basic. It's not that silly a question. Because it's, it's critical for something like this. Right? Yeah, no, so. it's, it's not. It's, it's definitely not uh, a simple one. There's been plenty of discussion about it, and it has been officially answered. So okay. don't worry. This is this is this is going to have a, a positive outcome. Um, <laughs> so basically, of course, if you are engaged with a, an enemy, and um, and let's say you're engaged with three enemies, and they all have shadows, and let's say for some reason you don't defeat any of them, so then you're going to clean up your shadow cards. At that point, your shadow cards get they get discarded at the same time. Okay. So it's one of those nice moments where you can sort of manipulate that if you had multiple shadow cards all going to the uh, discard pile. Um, now, if you kill an enemy, it gets a little bit more blurred because you have an enemy and a shadow card, and then at that point of the enemy being destroyed, both the enemy and the shadow card get discarded. So which one goes where? And actually, this has been officially answered. This one doesn't happen at the same time. What happens is you kill the enemy, so the enemy gets discarded, and then the shadow card is removed. So the shadow always goes on top of the enemy. So if you killed five enemies in one go, you just do it. So the first one you kill, the moment you kill him, you put that enemy in, yeah, and then it's shadow card. Absolutely, yeah. And then you kill the next one, you put that enemy in and it's shadow card. Then at the end of the round, whatever shadow cards are left on enemies that have survived, you choose which order you put them yeah. onto the encounter, yeah. discard pile. Because that's basically being cleaned up at that point. So that, at that point, that cleanup phase is happening simultaneously. But when you're killing, it is important in that scenario that you, if you need to take cards off of the encounter deck again, that you tactically kill things in the right order yeah exactly yeah yeah do your attacks yeah of course if you're doing this shadow of the past thing you can kill the enemy with the shadow card that you want and then play shadow of the past immediately and put it to the top of the encounter deck at that point before you kill anything else because you don't have to do all your attacks in one go you can play actions between each attack you just have to remember to do it yeah yeah makes sense okay thank you no, you're welcome. No, 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 but it's it's a good one. I don't think it's a simple rule, and it's uh, but it has been it has been um, clarified. Yeah, it's good to know because it does have consequences when you start getting cards like this. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah good information. <laughs> okay, so I I won't spend too much longer on this, but I just how I managed to defeat this. So I managed to. That's how I was plowing through my deck with Bilbo and Gildor. I was just looking at basically five cards each round until I found the Laurels of Imladris to stave off the damage on Willidor. So I managed to get one Law of Imladris, and I, so I got five off of him. But I still only had two Aplas. So it wasn't long until I was all the way back up to 19 damage on Willidor. At this point, Radagast only had two resources on him, but I had to use them because, you know, the next round... I was going to lose. So I spent the two 
So that brought it down to 17, but then I had to discard Radagast, of course, because that's what it says on stage 2B, that every time you heal, you discard the uh, healing card from play. So one more round, and I'm back up to 19. <laughs> I drew two for Bilbo, and then Gildor again got me another Imladris. So there you go, it just shows how powerful that effect is. So that brought it back down again to 14 on Williador. I played out a second Radagast. So that was, uh, you know, I, I just needed to do everything I possibly could. I also, at that point, had 11 progress tokens on stage 2B. So I had to be questing on a knife edge. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is the same, <laughs> this is the same as the hunt for Gollum. Um, sorry, a hunt for Gollum. <laughs> um, I had Protector of Lorien on Theodred, and Protector of Lorien is an attachment which allows you to sort of discard cards to add willpower to that character. It's the hunt for Gollum, by the way. I checked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was only questioning with Theodred with the idea that oh sorry I was questioning with Theodred and Radagast so like that would guarantee three progress which is what I needed to explore the forest grove for the third time and then if anything nasty came out of the encounter deck I could discard cards with the uh, protector of Lorien to make up any extras and not go and not complete the quest basically um I got driven by shadow which I think adds it adds threat to any locations or creatures in the staging area, but I didn't have any. And if, it, if you don't have any, it gains surge. That's right, yeah. It surged into an Aphalas, which is fantastic. I'm going to win because I've got that Aphalas there. I just need to explore the Forest Grove, which is my current location. It's going to be fine. <laughs> when you surge and get the Aphalas, does it not still get guarded? It does. Ah. <laughs> it got... Okay. It got guarded by exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. So that killed Theodred. <laughs> so you failed your quest. Well, so that killed Theodred, and therefore I lost the Protector of Lorien as well. Oh, okay? <laughs> which meant I was only questing for Radagast 2, which is not enough to explore the Forest Grove. <laughs> And this is why I love this game. Exactly. Because <laughs> one card ago, I knew I was going to win. One card <laughs> later, I'm almost certainly going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and then this was my last ditch manoeuvre. I sneak attacked Faramir, which I've never, I don't think I've ever done. I sneak attacked Faramir into play during the quest phase. I exhausted him to give Radagast one extra willpower. Okay, just push him, push him over the edge. So, so uh, just a reminder, Faramir has an amazing ability that if you exhaust him, you can give for that uh, phase any questing. Actually, it doesn't even have to be questing, does it? It just gives characters... One extra willpower, or do they have to be questing? No, uh, no, just gives cracks one extra willpower for that phase. For that phase, yeah. yeah. So I sneak attack him in. Radagast was questing for two. Exhaust Faramir gives Radagast three. It means that I can explore the forest grove, which means I can get the other Athlas <laughs> into the staging area. Okay, 
So how do you claim it? Well, I still had Bilbo and... Um... Theodred. No, Theodred's dead. Imreal. If, no, Imreal. Aragorn. 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 So this is your second deck. <laughs> so at this point, I have 16 damage on Willyador. I've claimed all four Aphalas. I've got 11 progress on stage 2B. I've got one resource on Radagast and one progress required. So I've got 41 threat, 18 damage on Willyador by the next round. I spent Radagast two resources just in case that <laughs> something nasty came out. And, you know, if we get the treachery which puts two damage on uh, Willyador, we're dead again. So I, I spent Radagast, discarded him, revealed top card from the encounter deck. It was a Dolgorda Beastmaster. I have never been so happy to see that guy. <laughs> I quested successfully on stage 3B. Healed Willardor, won the game. Piece of cake. But you claimed the objectives before you quested. Yeah, you know, I claimed the objectives yeah. after... Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, that's, that's lodged in my mind. <laughs> forever scarred. Claim the objectives. Um, so, I mean, that... I mean, I rambled on for, for, for way, way too long, but that was just another interesting way of doing it. But essentially, it's the same process. You need to get through your deck... And get through the encounter deck. You need to get those cards that can heal uh, in your deck. And you need to get the cards that can heal out of the encounter deck. So it's all about just finding ways to plow through. But that Shadow of the Past, recycling the Forest Grove. Oh, it, it was a dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've never played that before. But yeah, you can see it's, it's use straight away. Actually, the more I think about it, the more I think we should utilize that ability on that second quest card to look at those top three cards. Ooh. Because not only to try and find the Aphalas or the Forest Grove, but also to get rid of, you know, what What if you've got that, I can't remember what it's called now, the treachery where you lose all of your events. Oh, yeah. Uh, then, you know, that suddenly your game plan is completely out the window. So it does help from that perspective too. Also, if you use Shadow of the Past and you brought back Forest Grove or an Aphalas from the discard pile to the encounter deck. You know you're getting that next. Yeah. If you used Willyodor's ability and revealed the top three. Yeah. I guess. Well, maybe this is maybe this is too extreme an example. But if you did end up with another Aphalas or Forest Grove, and you had another Shadow of a Pass, you could essentially you could get two in one go. Do you know what? This is what I love about you. You you always feel lucky. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is why I never, ever go to casinos. <laughs> never. <laughs> no, not opening that door. <laughs> but what if the number does come up? No, no. <laughs> I'll play Yahtzee or something, it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose, but I mean, I, I was just finding it tough enough to keep the damage off of Willardor as it was, let alone adding more on purpose. Well, I'm just thinking, I, I guess... I just sort of playing it through in my mind. It really depends how many Aphalas and Forest Groves you've seen and how far through the encounter deck you've got. So if you've if you've hardly seen any Aphalas or Forest Grove and you're, you know, three fifths through the encounter deck, then that might be a really good tactic because the odds of them being there have suddenly increased a lot. Uh, whereas if you do that near the start, then yeah, it's just pot luck. But anyway, sorry, just I'm just thinking out loud. This and this, these are all the kind of little things that you start to think about when you play this game and when you talk to other people who and hear how other people have done it, it just opens up more doors in your mind, doesn't it, as to yeah. how you can defeat this thing. 
I actually really, really enjoy this quest. I mean, it's, it's so different from anything that we've seen so far. We, we've had heavy combat quests and um, heavy exploration quests, and this one feels completely different, a completely different sort of race against the clock. And it's really well-themed, I think, as well. I mean, it really feels very Lord, Lord of the Ringsy, which I think is uh, is really great. I mean, the only thing I don't like is how that last card works, but yeah, I'll get over it. Yeah, I feel... I feel kind of the same. I, I, you know, like, like I said earlier, I don't, you know, that last card doesn't bother me too much. I, what I would say is, I think out of all of the quests so far, this is definitely the one where I got the most frustrated, where like, like genuinely annoyed. <laughs> Which usually, I find it quite amusing, right? And that's something I, I love about the game. Yeah, you know, the situation you were describing a minute ago, you know, it's, it's, it's always funny. Um, but there were sometimes when I was replaying this. And maybe it was because I knew, and the way I set up my game was, I'd have to have things go for me, basically. Yeah. And you sort of inching closer, and then suddenly it all kind of just goes falls apart. I, I found that was happening a fair bit trying to play through this this quest. I don't. I I really like this quest too. And yeah, when it comes to the theming, I love love the theming on on this quest. And it's again telling the story through the mechanics of the game is great. But it it is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely not rate it a six. I think this <laughs> this is this is it's possibly apart from Escape from Dolgaldur one player, this is probably the toughest one we've seen so far. I think so. Yeah. 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 It's definitely the one where you really need to think about how you're constructing a deck. I mean, and that's also probably one of the reasons, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably one of the reasons you found it frustrating is that you decided to build an eagle deck, which just wasn't going to work. Oh, no. no it w- and then you're yeah. just like hammering away at it going, well, I want this deck to be good. And it probably is a good deck, but just not for this quest. No, no, that was just pure pigheadedness on my part. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was more frustrating when you did have a kind of way to do it. Um, I don't know. I think maybe I'd played it too many times to try and beat mm. it. I did play this an awful lot over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> trying to beat it. And then I beat it and then I realised, oh, no, you didn't beat it because you didn't claim those objectives, like I said earlier. And I think, I mean, to be honest, I probably ended up just playing through it a couple too many times. But I still loved it. You know, I, I, and I, I say it's frustrating. I don't actually think it's a bad thing to have the odd frustrating quest to be honest because it's all the different things you go through playing this game and you mentioned that this is one where you really really have to think about your deck i think the first time we saw that was probably journey down yanduin yeah in the core set i think even on that one though there's probably you can think about it for a while and figure out two or three ways to do it or you know different things you can try i think for this one it ended up being really like specific thing that you're trying to do so yep. I, th- I think it's not necessarily constructing a deck to beat it. It's almost constructing the deck to beat it. Or, well, maybe that's you, you know what I mean. You have you have to. It funnels much more into a specific way of playing. I think, or I just haven't thought of what it is. <laughs> this one feels much more like you have to solve it. Yes, correct. Yeah. Rather than you could just play it and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's it. But but that's great as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. I love having the different. Um, aspects of these so conflict of the carrot which we talked about a couple of episodes ago you know there's, there's probably a couple ways to do that but at the end of the day that's kind of dealing with sort of specific enemies and you can build yourself up in different ways to, to defeat yeah. it whereas this one is yeah like you said it's a race against the clock 
and it's yeah, it's a completely different way of playing. Yeah, no, it's great. Big thumbs up from me. Well, we have rambled on for way too long yet again. You know, I'm gonna I'll have to cut out that stuff about the uh, 90 minutes being the perfect length. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what I'll do is I'll just, uh, I, well, unless you have anything more to say about this question or any specific cards you would like to go over, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm, I'm exhausted, so therefore put two damage on me. <laughs> no, I, I'm, to be honest, I think we've pretty much covered all of them anyway, so I don't think there's much more to add. Okay, great. Well, I would just tell you that there are a few ways that you can get in touch with us. We have a Twitter feed, at Later the Rings. You can get in touch with us directly, which is laterthings at gmail.com we have a board game geek thread which i'll put a link to in the show notes and uh yeah i think that's about it so we won't outstay our welcome <laughs> any more than we already have <laughs> um next time we will be back to a non-spoiler episode we'll be going through some more player cards from the first cycle i'm not sure which sphere yet but uh we'll work that out and we hopefully won't leave it so long next time. So with that, all it leaves me to say is take care out there and until next time, goodbye. Bye.